Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Keeping your office running like a well-oiled power play. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. So on an off chance that uh, Jason from Sangudo, Texas, uh, about a reference to Unforgiven, I asked the question, favorite Western of all time. We've got over 150 responses in under six minutes on our text line, Westlock 4 text line at 630-630. I asked you... Which Western did Edmonton sporting icon, uh, former head coach of the U of A Golden Bears, best known as a quarterback for the Edmonton Eskimos, he won the 1974 Shenley Award. Tom Wilkinson, which Western did he appear in? And uh, we did have a correct answer amongst the 30 or 40 guests. Congratulations to B. You don't win anything. But the movie was Brokeback Mountain. And the Owls and the Eskimos were playing on TV during their Thanksgiving uh, dinner. So uh, there you have it. Uh, How's that for... uh that's about as obscure as it gets. But, yes, Tom Wilkinson appeared in Brokeback Mountain. You can text us at any time at 630-630. Tweet us at Oilers now. As promised, uh, we are going to hook up with a guy who last year successfully predicted a significant downturn for the Edmonton Oilers, much to my chagrin. Uh, we're going to welcome Dom aboard from uh, Toronto, the center of the universe. Dom, first thing you got to do, because... Uh, the the pronunciation uh, on the not that I'm going to get too personal with you, but uh, you know there's a lot of Polish, a lot of Ukrainian names out here in uh, in Alberta. Uh, we have a station called the Chuck that's part of this actual cluster. How do we pronounce your last name? Uh, it's pronounced Loose Chishin, but I know that some people prefer Dom L from the Athletic. Dom L from the Athletic. There we go. Now, are you uh, are you Ukrainian? Are you? Do you mind if I? Are you Eastern European? What's what's the background in the last name? Uh, my parents are both from Poland. They're both from Poland. There you have it. Uh, well, welcome to our uh, welcome to our show. Uh, first of all, you you put your uh, on the Athletic today uh, the feature, and you're going team by team from 31st down to first. And again, much to my chagrin, you had the Oilers slotted 24th overall. Uh, maybe explain to people how you do these point projections on a yearly basis because you were one of the few guys last year 
that uh, predicted a, a significant downturn for the Oilers. As it turned out, not as significant as it ultimately turned out to be. But maybe explain how you come together with the statistical formulations to rank these teams 1 through 31. Right. So a couple years ago, I was watching a lot of basketball, and I stumbled upon a stat called Game Score, which took all the box score statistics and put them together in a way that made sense, like it weighted them based on what was most important. So I decided to steal that for hockey, and I built a model out of that stat by looking at the last three years, weighted by recency, regressed the mean based on how much time players have played, age-adjusted, all that, and then I get a, a rating for every player, which I then translate to a win value. And then for every team, I add those wins up to see how much talent they have. And for Edmonton last year, it wasn't as much as people expected. And this year, it's still, well, it's uh, in the bottom 10. But the thing with these point projections is that it's obviously difficult to see Edmonton in 24th. But that's just the average prediction for them. There'll be times where they finish even lower than that, there'll be times where they finish in the top 10. And it's just, on average, they finish with 86 points. So you take each team, you give them basically a team score based upon their respective player scores, and then you run the teams against the teams in a, in a simulated style of game thousands of times. Mm-hmm. Is, is that kind of how you do it? Yeah, so I have a, a simulation that has the entire schedule i get a game probability for every game this season based on each team's strength and then i run that a hundred thousand times to get an average score so in one season edmonton might see big improvement and get 98 points and they're back to where they were a year ago in another season it's more of the same and they are at like 82 points or something and where did your simulator have them at this year this year it's 86.4 points with a 14% chance of being above 95 points and a 20% chance of being below 80, which would be similar to last season. So basically, four to five times, it'll be better than it was last season. Yeah. Uh, Interesting stuff. I mean, it's because there's variables. I mean, obviously, you're doing this from a statistical perspective, and the the, the numbers you associate with the players' respective, is that kind of like war in baseball, or is that too simplified? That's, that's basically what I'm trying to do. There are other war stats out there that are a bit more complex than what I'm doing. Mine's pretty simple in what it uses, which is points, shots, coursey, just easy things to understand. There's no, I guess, regression of how things might play out. But it's basically that, just converting every player's value into how many wins I project them to be worth in the upcoming season. We're joined by Dom L. Dom Luchishan, uh, joining us from. Uh, I gotta work on my Polish pronunciations. <laughs> you think a guy in West in, in Alberta would be able to uh, pronounce a uh, Polish or Ukrainian name? But anyhow, uh, I digress. Uh, so here's here's my confusion with this, because mm-hmm. I, I I look at it and there there's there's some variables uh, like. Put it this way, last year, until probably the middle of December, if I'm not mistaken, Edmonton was pretty much a top five Corsi and Fenwick team 
for the first, mm-hmm. uh, you know, f- certainly for the first half of the season. In fact, at one point, I think they were top two Corsi slash Fenwick. So you use that statistical, um, uh, you know, you apply that statistic to, to your model here. They have the reigning scoring champion, who I would guess might rate the highest ranked player on your entire model. Right? Yeah. And so. By a landslide. By a landslide? Uh, yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm just. How, how much of a factor is special teams in this sort of thing in terms of uh, the waiting? For me, it's very tough because, again, like I said, it's really simple. And I think that's one of the reasons that even I didn't see, even the most pessimistic model didn't see such a horrific collapse last year because. The number, the number one thing missing from my model is penalty killing, which is a big issue in Edmonton last year. And right, I, the only thing that really gets accounted for that is just all the blame gets kind of put on the goalie, which is obviously unfair. But yeah, it's the only way to do it from my perspective. For power play, is mostly just points because for both special teams, you'd you'd want to look at differentials, how different players do in a situation, but at the same time, because they're all playing together, it's harder to separate who's making the impact and how much of that is, especially with just the sheer, I guess, quality of competition on both units. So you'll have a penalty kill unit who might face, I guess, the Penguins' top unit, and then another one that faces the second unit. I don't even know who's on that second unit, but it's just uh, it's difficult to adjust for all those things on special teams. We're joined by Dom L. from The Athletic, Bob Stauffer with you on Oilers Now. It's, it's a really interesting uh, thing that you've done here, and I, we've discussed this off-air. I have a friend that kind of has done something similar in terms of uh, you know NFL and college football and that sort of thing. Uh, you mentioned McDavid is a lance. His war, if we were to deploy a baseball uh, term, what is that, win above replacement? Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it's not even close in terms of him compared to any other player in the league? Is that because of his five-on-five dominance? I mean, I think last year he had 84 even-strength points. It was the most amount of even-strength points we've had since, uh, geez, probably since the mid-1990s. Yeah, uh, I actually I actually looked that up because it was an insane amount. It was the most since uh, Yager in 95-96. Okay. And just an insane amount. And I expect him to, like, he might regress a bit from that, but he should get more power, points, power play points than he did last season so i expect a 109 point season for him and that only sounds like a one point improvement but when you think about i guess true talent level it's basically saying that you can expect anywhere from 100 to 120 points from mcdavid easily like he might be a little worse or he might be even better than he was and just sort of putting a an over under on things and that's really the biggest thing that is supporting his value because I think it's a 14-point difference from the next best player. Okay. And there's also the fact that he's just insanely dominant at 5-on-5 five five and just how many penalties he's able to draw even when some referees turn a blind eye because he draws so many. Geez, you sound like our broadcast when you say that. <laughs> I mean, it's I've, I've watched so many times where he's just getting mauled left and right and they're like, oh, well, he leads the league in penalty differential. We can't just keep upping that. It's it's incredibly frustrating. Dom L joining mm-hmm. us from the Athletic. So you have this model. Uh, I got to ask you about like how do you factor in a guy like Koskinen in goal that has no history and might get twenty five to thirty starts for the Oilers, or a player like Yamamoto who maybe 
might start the year in the minors, but you know could end up playing the final forty games of the season. The National. I mean, you know, going back to Leon Dreisaitl in twenty. 15, 16, uh, you know, he started the year of the minors, ended up with 50 points that year. Based on your model, there'd be no way to project. Is there, do you transfer numbers from major junior or from Europe and apply them to North? How can you do that sort of thing with new players? Uh, I do for players, but not for goalies. So Koskinen is one of the very few players I have no idea about. I'm not even going to bother projecting him. So, if he's as good as he was in the KHL last year, then that's some added value that I may have missed. Okay. Uh, for players like Yamamoto, uh, it depends on how much NHL time they have. I sure. think my my minimum cutoff is nine or ten games, so I might be using his NHL time. And because he's only played nine games, it regresses heavily towards average. So if he's a bit above average, that means he's done enough to warrant that. Right. But for other players... Uh, for other players who don't have that experience, I use uh, NHLE, which is just looking at their stats from last year and finding the equivalent and then age-adjusting again. So for someone like Casey Middlestat in Buffalo, I looked at, I would look at how he did in uh, NCAA. In NCAA and then go from there. But the thing with NHLE is it's difficult with some younger players as well, so I'll also look at other fantasy point projections to see what other magazines, I guess, are projecting for these players and sort of mix it all together to get a, a better look for the rookies. All right. So, Dom, so at the end of the day, you got the Oilers at 86 points. What did you have them at last year? I think 93. Wow. And I was on you last year about having 93. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they went from 103, and what do they drive? Geez, off the top of my head, I'd, low 80s, or was it high 70s for for the Oilers? Uh, it, was, it was 78, which is... Like, it's all in, in the realm of possibility. So when I – this was a flaw in my explanation last year, which is why I can imagine a lot of people were getting on me because I put 93 points and I didn't make any mention for the range that could have happened. Right. And that's something I've changed this year. And as you can see in the preview, there's that chart at the top showing exactly how likely each point projection is. And for the I didn't do that last year. So right. when all those fans see 93 points, they're like, oh, this guy thinks they're going to be a bubble team. And, I mean, I did, but there was also a chance they do hit 100 points as well as a chance that they don't and get 78, which they did. And, again, it's so you run these, did you say 100,000 simulations? Is that how many you ended up doing? Yeah. And so you would have, like, 14% chance of making the playoffs, 86% not making, like, just I'm just using that as a raw percentage. That's kind of how mm-hmm. it works, and that's what you've included this year is to show the range. If you don't mind me asking, uh, I'm going to ask you about two Canadian teams because uh, I know you're going to release. Uh, so you did the 24th place team today. That's the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, just as an Winnipeg and Toronto, would they both be – because I look at uh, Toronto and the depth they have at forward, the three centers they have, the scoring they have on the wings, in spite of the fact that I don't think they're great in defense, and I think Dan Anderson's a pretty good goalie, uh, to me, Toronto would have to be, a, based on your system and how you grade players, Toronto would have to be a stone-cold mortal lock for top 10, and I'm guessing Winnipeg might be a stone-cold mortal lock for top 5. Am I on to something based on the model that you deploy? You, If you flip around those rankings, you'd be bang on. Okay. So you would actually have the Leafs ranked higher than uh, Winnipeg. Interesting. That is 
that is true. And I know some people are, I guess, a bit skeptical of that. And I, I'll explain further when I get to it. But for, for the Jets, there's just a, there's some question marks with Brian Little in the second center hole. And it's the reason why they went out and got Paul Stastny last year. How, what, and, what about Hellebeck putting Hellebeck having, you know, mm-hmm. we saw the drop off with because you said you used the last three years, right? Yeah, yeah, that too. So with Hellebuck, you might he might not repeat last year's season. He might regress a bit, and that's the thing with goalies is that they're easily the toughest players to project. Last year, I and many others thought Cam Talbot would be the key to the Oilers' season that he'd be great again, and he he faltered a bit, and that is just difficult to project. Um, same with the Canadians and Carey Price last year. They could have been a playoff team if Carey Price didn't have a 900 save percentage or whatever he had. Right. So, you know what? The, with Winnipeg with Hellbuck. Yeah, Dom, to me, the, the penalty killing stats, the key one, and I, I don't know how you adjust that moving forward with your, your system. Just in terms of your actual, so how you did the breakout last year and the projections for the respective teams, how many of the playoff teams did you have, can you recall, out of the, 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 the top eight that made it in the East and West, you know, how how close were you? Because that's part of the reason why you're on, is you were one of the guys that stepped up and said, no, there's going to be a regression for the Oilers. And at the end of the day, it was far less significant than even you thought. Uh, you know, and, and so I've been intrigued ever since then. But I'd like to know how you actually did last year in terms of predicting the eight, the eight uh, playoff teams in the two respective uh, conferences. That's obviously an extremely important question because I feel with a lot of these predictions, they are done in... September and everyone completely forgets about them by next year so last year when the season was over around June I wrote I think like 7,000 words grading myself on how well I predict everything and how that compared to I guess everything else I collected in September yep. and it was a very strange year uh, in terms of how far every team was away from projected points on average so the year before, I was, I think, one of the better ones, uh, around an average of 9 or 10 points. Yeah. And the Vegas over-unders, which are always a good thing to measure up against, were yep. around just a little over 10. Okay. Last year, those over-unders were at 13 points, okay. and I was around 11 or so. So still much better than the over-unders, but there were other models that were a bit stronger. But if the... Vegas over-unders are that drastically off where they projected things, then it's just a telling sign that it was just sort of a really wacky year, which is sort of how you can, sort of what you expect when a team like Vegas goes all the way to cup finals. And Colorado and New Jersey go from mm-hmm. be, being non-factors to both being in the playoff hunt. Uh, I mean, part of the factor for v- the Vegas numbers are based on what, you know, the the lines moved during the course. Of the, I mean, there was a lot of money wagered from Albertans on the Oilers last year in the summer. You know that, and that would have skewed mm-hmm. some of those numbers as well. Dom, it's great stuff. How do people follow you on Twitter? Uh, they figure out how to spell my last name and uh, go from there. <laughs> uh, it's uh, Dom uh D O M L U S Z Z Z Y S Z Y N. All right. Uh, you're having fun with it. That's a great thing. Thank you for taking time, Dom, to join us here in Orders Now, okay? Anytime. All right. That's Dom L. Dom Lustician. There we go. That is a... 
I don't know. I, you know, I had problems seeing Mark Fioretti, who played for the Calgary Dinos. Uh, I, for years, played against Manny uh, Vivaros. I used to call him Vivrios. So uh, what can I say? I mean, Halsey. Halsey can't even pronounce Cincinnati. Can he? Cincinnati? <laughs> All right, we'll take a quick time out. Come back in a minute. Uh, this is Oilers Now. This is Zach Cassian from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bod Stoffer on 630 Chet. And it's the start of the year. We want to thank uh, Japanese Village for being back on board with Oilers Now. Guests on the show receive gift certificates to Japanese Village restaurants. Three locations in Edmonton and now in Sherwood Park. Japanese Village, a perfect place to celebrate your special occasion. Bob Stoffer with you. You can text us at 630-630. Bob, how could you ever forget for Best Westerns Ever, Jeremiah Johnson. Uh, what about Dances with Wolves? Uh, this text comes in from Cal. Uh, Outlaw Josie Wales was my favorite uh, Western. Bob, anything with uh, Eastwood in it uh, rocks when it comes to uh, Westerns. Unquestionably, says this texter, the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's one of my favorite themes of all time. And another uh, texter out of Swan Hills, Alberta, where I planted trees in 1997. Uh, Swan Hills says, Blazing Saddles. Mel Brooks special. Best Western ever. All right. Uh, tomorrow, Louis DeBrusque makes his return to Oilers Now. And he will be one of our guests on uh, tomorrow's edition of uh, Oilers Now. Special uh, thanks to Angie Quinnell for helping operate the show the last couple days. Uh, we will head off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. And then the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross. Reed Wilkins coming up tonight on Inside Sports. And he'll have some comments from Darnell Nurse. So long, everybody, from Oilers Now. Offer. Brought to you by Digitex. Keeping your office running like a well-oiled power play. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Ched. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Ched.